Well, that's good. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Twitch Live postgame. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. So that fucking sucked, huh? Um, I, man, I came into this one. In the previous games against the Bruins, I, uh, there were reasons, I thought, for the losses. They had a lead in three of them. I thought they represented themselves pretty well in those games. And with a full roster, meaning with Sean Couturier, I thought that the games could be a whole lot closer. Um, I get it. They were shorthanded tonight. You know, no G, no Voracek, no TK, no Lawton. I get it. Those are big names missing from the... Uh, uh, those are big names missing from the lineup. But it didn't seem like that was the reason they lost tonight. Now, of course, once they get down a couple goals, it's the reason they can't come back. Uh, you know, but once you're down 4, 5, you know, 6, 3, you really, like, what, are you coming back from that against freaking Boston? No, probably not. Uh, I had a bunch of positive stuff in my first period notes, but we can throw those away. Um... My main point with this was, uh, let's see, it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 games. They have 20 games between now and the next time they play Boston. None of them really matter. Now, obviously, I want to win a vast majority of those games, and I think the Flyers will. Uh, They're a pretty good team. Uh, And, you know, it's Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Washington, Buffalo, Washington, the Rangers, Islanders, Devils, Rangers, Buffalo, Islanders. Those are all teams the Flyers are as good as or better than. They will probably win 75% of those games of the next 20 coming up. Maybe more. None of them matter to me in terms of assessing what this team is. Because what this team is, is supposed to be a team that can go on a playoff run, a team that can compete with the best in the league. And Boston, make no doubt about it, they are one of the best teams in the league. Maybe, damn man, maybe they're one of the best. Like, maybe they're as good as uh, as Vegas and Colorado. I didn't think they were there. I thought they lost a little too much depth in the offseason, but... Damn, if they don't look like it. They've been freaking awesome this year. Against everybody but the Devils and Islanders. I wrote down their record against those two teams and against everyone else. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Boston, they're, they were coming off two straight losses, which worked against the Flyers. They've lost two straight this year, both times against the Devils and Islanders. Boston is 1-3-1 against the Devils and Islanders. Devils and Isles, 9-0-1 against everyone else. They have been killing uh, everybody, including the Flyers. I don't really know what the Flyers can do to compete with this team. Obviously, Carter Hart needs to be a lot better. Obviously, they need the full lineup, which they have not had against Boston all year, and I thought in the first period, yes, the first period ended 2-2, but I thought they just overall played really well considering the ridiculous circumstances of that first period. Like, I had trouble watching it let alone I can't imagine playing on that ice. It looked sick, but it was crazy. Um, I don't know. I don't know what this team needs to do. It just seems like a mental block with Boston. Even when they're playing with them, it always seems like it's one shift away from the momentum completely turning. Uh, I thought the first period kind of being a little bit of a shit show worked to the Flyers' advantage. Like, if it came down to skill, especially with the, the players the Flyers were missing tonight, Boston was going to win because they're the more skilled team. Flyers are missing half their skilled players. But it wasn't about that. I, I But I thought, like, if it's a shit show, like the first period, the Flyers, you know, they can compete because they can muck it up and kind of slow Boston down. But they still got beaten transition, still turned it over too much in key spots. And you see what happens. They get blown the hell out. It was... My God, by the time this thing ended, it was like, what did we just do for the last three hours? But that's it. I'm just kind of frustrated. I realized that they were shorthanded. I realized it's crazy circumstances playing in these outdoor games and playing them on a freaking, you know, on the ninth hole or whatever, at at Lake Tahoe, at a golf resort, whatever. But it was still just kind of a, a, a real reminder that as good as the Flyers might be, the best they can hope for is the two seed going into these, you know, divisional playoffs and hope, like, the Islanders who have beaten up on Boston a little bit, or at least they've beaten them twice, like, a team like the Islanders gets that fourth seed 
and seriously does damage or eliminates the uh, the Bruins because it just does not seem like the Flyers can compete with them right now. Let's get to all of you and see what you have to say. Let's scroll up here, get the older comments, and work our way down. <laughs> Carter asking why he faces more shots in games than in practice. I can only assume because all the shots get blocked in practice, too. Hart really should have had two to three of those. Now, yes, Carter Hart was not good tonight. And honestly, Carter Hart might be the reason they lost. The shots that went in, like, he could have absolutely stopped some of those. But the circumstances leading up to them... Uh, like some of the turnovers, like the block shot by Myers, Haig with a bad turnover at the blue line. There was just a couple of things that went terribly wrong, and that is not to absolve Carter Hart because he had a hand in this. He might have been the player who played worst for the Philadelphia Flyers tonight, uh, but it is a team effort to uh, to lead to some of these goals. But yeah, he has to be better. I, like He has to clean up the rebounds. It seemed like going side to side was real difficult for everyone tonight. Like, changing direction was hard. Uh, but the goalies, both of them, seemed to get caught changing direction a little bit tonight. Um, but, man, like, the one pasta goal. Well, like, when you go off the inside of the post, uh, off the inside of the crossbar and down into, like, yeah, that was a crazy shot. But, fuck, man, Carter Hart has to be better. This team, Sean Couturier, Ivan Provorov, they're, they're huge parts of it. They're maybe the two most important players. But Carter Hart's right there, and he has to be so much better than he was tonight. I really thought, and maybe after the, I think it was after the fourth goal, AV was maybe contemplating pulling him, and then it was like, we can get through this period, and then it it just became, that's when Boston really just piled it on and ended the game. They just had to get through like the last three, four minutes and could not of that second period. I just want one game with 30-plus shots. Yeah, especially early. Like, I know they were winning the shot advantage early and were playing well, but there was just even a couple of chances. Like, Myers, uh, shorthanded, also had that shot blocked. McAvoy made a great play. Um, The Andreoff, apparently I've been saying Andreoff wrong this whole time, but Andreoff behind the net to Friedman out front uh, for the good scoring chance. Hayes had one in the slot. It seemed like earlier in the year when they were getting out shot, they were still taking advantage of those A-plus opportunities. And even though they didn't create as many, they were converting on such a high percentage of them that they were winning games and staying in games. And that just doesn't seem to happen against Boston. When you get those chances, those A-plus chances, you have to cash in. And they didn't tonight. And that's kind of what kept them from taking a bigger lead in the middle of this game and early in this game, and then ultimately why Boston was able to turn the momentum so easily. Hart didn't play well. Power play sucked. Patrick was a no-show again. I will agree with two of those three points, I thought, and I'm not saying, like, Patrick was great tonight. I'm not, you know. He's a guy who needs to step up and be better at this point. Like, I know the circumstances surrounding him and his career and everything, but they're just counting on him to be better, and he hasn't been. But I did think I saw some positive signs out of Patrick, and this is me trying to be positive. I'm, again, not saying he was good. I just thought I saw a little bit more aggression out of Nolan Patrick. I thought I saw him doing a little bit better carrying the puck. Um, I don't know, I just noticed him a little bit more at points in this game. I didn't think, as you said, he was a complete no-show, as he has been in a lot of these games leading up to this. And, you know, before the COVID break. Obviously, they've only played one, two games now since then. But I, I thought... Like, one of the positive things I wanted to bring up was, like, I know it's, we have a low bar for Patrick at this point. I just thought I noticed him being a little more aggressive, uh, carrying the puck, uh, trying to make some plays out there. Not just making, like, stupid between-the-legs-behind-the-back passes, but actually, like, working the puck to uh, to open spaces, creating time and space for himself a little bit out there. He also had a really big defensive rebound. Uh, which ultimately completely forgotten about because they get blown out. One defensive play doesn't matter. But he made a couple of plays, I thought. Hart's got me worried. He will bounce back, though. Here's the thing about Hart. Uh, And here's the thing about goalies in general. They're going to have their ups and downs, and Hart, especially at his age and everything, he's going to have his ups and downs. He's going to have these regression games. He's We talk about it all the time. He's so technically sound, usually. Like, that's where he draws his, like, that's his greatness. It comes from his technical ability. He doesn't make the crazy Hasek saves or any of that. It's just that he stops the first shot. That's what he does so well. When his angles are off, it just gets bad, like we saw tonight. Like, 
the one, maybe the fifth goal, he just did not seal the post at all. Like, you just have to have that. Um, he's been not, he hasn't been very good. I thought coming into this game, like, my assessment of Hart was, he's been a major contributor in all the games that they've won, that he's played in at least. But the actual goals that go in, like, two-thirds of them, he should stop. And so it's been, like, a weird season for Hart, and I think his numbers kind of reflect that. Like, he's been okay and really good in some spots, but overall could be better. But here's the thing about Hart, ultimately. All that matters is, at some point in his career, he has a hot playoff. And, like, hopefully more than one. Hopefully five or six hot playoffs. But, like, a goalie like him, what it's going to come down to, ultimately, is... Is he on that role in the playoffs and can win you a series or two and deliver you a championship? Like, that playoff where he is just phenomenal and everything we thought he was going to be, that's when they'll win. Uh, And it's just kind of waiting for that to happen and hope they build the right team in front of him. But overall, yeah, he could be better this season and he could have been a shit ton better tonight, without a doubt. This team can't get shots on goal. Yeah, like that first... Man, like, I love Phil Myers, and I think he does a lot of things well, and I think he's definitely a top-four defenseman. I like him. Been waiting for him to arrive forever. He got here. I like what I see out of him. Still think he has a lot of room to grow and improve. But goddamn, can he please get a fucking shot through a... Like, every single one of his shots gets blocked. Can you just get one through? Like, we saw what happened in the Islander series. Get it, get it through and you produce points. But, it, like, it seems like 90% of his shots get blocked. Remember all those Hart versus Blackwood, Hart greater than Blackwood takes? Yeah, and I'm one of, like, I will say, like, I believed in Mackenzie Blackwood perhaps more than, um, more than, say, some of the Broad Street Hockey co-hosts when we've talked about uh, Blackwood in the past. Uh, before last season, I remember specifically saying, like, I, th- I kind of believe in Blackwood, but also remember... Mackenzie Blackwood is 24. Uh, he turned 24 in December. So, he's... Goalies need time to mature. And I just closed out of Chrome, so it'll take forever to bring back up when I need to check a box score or something. So let's do that now and just hope it's ready when I go back. But, yeah, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood has been fucking amazing this year. And Carter Hart hasn't been. So it's perfectly, if you want to take, if you were one of those people who was backing Mackenzie Blackwood and want to take a victory lap on it, feel free. Uh, But that said, they both have long careers ahead of them. Is only having three shots while giving up four goals in a period a sustainable game plan? You know, something tells me it wasn't the game plan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not here to stick up for them or anything, but uh, yeah, I mean, fuck, man, that second period was, uh, that was terrible. They, especially coming off a first period where, yeah, you gave up, you know, the lead, and it was back and forth, and it was kind of a game that resembled hockey, but not like NHL hockey. Yes, but I thought they played well. Coming off of that, it should have been a confidence booster more for the Flyers than a wake-up call, I thought, for the Bruins. But the Bruins clearly took it as that wake-up call. Now I will, like, coming off of two straight losses and and one to the freaking Devils, like, I will say that maybe worked against the Flyers a little bit. But I, I'm not here for any excuses in terms of motivation level, who was in the lineup and who wasn't. Flyers pissed all over themselves in the second period tonight, and that's why they lost. You can talk about the lineup, you can talk about the deficiencies. Um, They just played like absolute shit. Like, they were a bad team in the second period, and I think the coach was a part of it. The coach gambled and leaving hard in, thinking he'd get through the period, and it was not to be. Whether those goals are on hard or not, it almost doesn't matter. Like, you needed to do something... You just said, fuck it, let's just get to the third. And guess what? You didn't get to the third. You didn't just get through it. The game ended there. Toss this up as a scrimmage game. A bunch of AHL players with no training camp playing in a different system than they are used to with the Phantoms. Listen, I know. I know the excuses for tonight, and they're valid. I'm not even saying no excuses. I did just say no excuses, so I won't backtrack on that. But... It's not, it just doesn't feel like why they lost tonight. Now, yes, once they got down two to three goals, 
it's the reason that they had no chance of a comeback because you have, I think Charlie O'Connor tweeted it out perfectly. You have one line that has, you know, one of your four lines had three players who are top nine NHL players. You know, like Sean Couturier, JVR, Joel Farabee. That's a hell of a line. But even with Kevin Hayes at 2C, like, okay, NAK and Raffle, really? Like, that's not a second line in the NHL, not on a good team. Uh, I understand all those things. And you can kind of, you know, the Flyers are 0-3-2 against Boston, and you can make excuses in each one. They didn't have Sean Couturier for the first four, and they badly need Sean Couturier against that top line in Boston. You need him. It's his job. It's that, like, maybe the team outside of some of the West, like, outside of Colorado, maybe the team you need Sean Couturier against most. Even more than Colorado, I'd say. He's the, Boston is the team you need Couturier against most. Um, And then tonight, they don't have literally everybody else. (laughs) And so, there are, like, there is kind of a silver lining, not even a silver lining, because fuck that. They just got killed on national TV on a game we had to wait all day for bullshit uh but there is i think these two teams at full strength are closer than the results especially tonight have been but shit oh three and two like what what are you gonna sit here and say they're like and i've said it in the past and people have been like are you telling me they're as good as boston and i was like yes i think they are and at full strength we still haven't seen it yet uh, and, like, to be fair, like, they didn't have Pasternak for the first, what, two games uh, against the Flyers, so it's not like we were the only team shorthanded. And, goddamn, Pasta is fucking ridiculous. Like, I can't even hate him. He's just so good. Like, maybe the player in the league I want most, other than, like, Nathan McKinnon, maybe. Now, I, maybe just those two guys. <laughs> just, I will I will say, um, because talking about Pasta made me think of... Um, made me think of the Duncan commercials. I enjoy his Duncan commercials, and anytime there's bubble hockey involved, I automatically like it. I think they were Bud Light commercials a few years ago with the bubble hockey, and now it's uh, Duncan. I enjoy it automatically. Um, Anyway, that's the sidetrack moment of the show. Don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh yeah, this comment said, toss this as a scrimmage. There's an argument for it, and maybe it's not an actual representation of how these teams will line up in a potential playoff series, you know, a couple months from now. I believe, full strength, these teams are a lot closer than the results have been, but the results are the results. That's This is a results-oriented business. Like, I, I, you know, I always say, like, I think BSH is a great show. If people stop listening to it, what can I say? We're doing an awesome show, and, and I, I deserve my job? Like, nah, like, you gotta, you gotta produce, and... This team hasn't been producing against the Boston Bruins, and that's the measuring stick. It's them and Boston in this division. That's what it is. They've beaten up on everybody else. This team's record is amazing against everybody else. But you're not going to play everybody else in, say, the second round of the playoffs. You're going to play this team. You need to beat them. Let's keep New Jersey out of this convo. They're not worth it. Listen... Blackwood's good. Both guys can be good. And Hart might just be having a down... Like, it could be that Hart plays bad this whole year. Totally possible. It won't... And, like, I'll talk about it, and on the show I'll be like, are you worried about Carter Hart? Like, I'll still do that. But ultimately, my assessment of the situation will be, I'm not worried about what he is long term. But right now, like, he ain't playing well. Especially, like, he did not play well tonight. Uh, remember how bad they played immediately after Oscar got diagnosed with cancer? I am betting their concern for their COVID-less teammates is affecting their play. Some of those players, uh, have to have tested positive to be out this long. I, I don't know about the tests or not. Everyone's got different quarantine length. I'm not going to speculate about who might actually have it, who's just contact tracing. I'm not going to compare this to Oscar Lindblom out of the blue being diagnosed with fucking cancer. Like, maybe there's some sort of parallel to be drawn to it. Why didn't they play poorly in the first period? And then, granted, you know, you don't want to give up a goal in the first 30 seconds or whatever the hell it was. But, like, 
how come they played poorly in the second period but not in the first? I'm not blaming it on that. That is, I will, tonight I am saying no excuses, but like I'll listen to their shorthanded, you know, the goalie was just off, all that. Things, those things are true. I'm not going to start sitting here and being like, oh, this is kind of like when Oscar... No. No. This is a totally different situation. All right. I'm done talking about Blackwood. That's it on that. Someone tell me in the last two years who has gotten better under Elaine Vigneault. JVR and Farabee, that's about it. I mean, I, I, I think Sanheim has taken steps. I think Provorov has taken steps. I mean, who... Like, Sean Couturier, granted he was great before Elaine Vigneault, but he's still very good. It's not like Elaine Vigneault's job is to develop guys. Elaine Vigneault's job is to put the best players on the ice and have them produce. I have objections to some things, AV, and I've been an AV supporter, but I'm starting to, like... I'm starting to... I don't think he should be on a hot seat or anything. Like, no, that's crazy talk. But I am starting to come around to the idea that him getting out coached by Barry Trotz wasn't a one-off. You know, there are coaches better than A.V. Uh, like, who's... I mean, look at what Scott Lawton has done. And, like, Lawton's not in the lineup tonight, and that hurts. Uh, but he's not the most consistent player. But shit, look at the strides he's taken in his career over these past two seasons. And we saw it coming. We saw him developing. He's a prime-aged player now. He's supposed to be playing his best hockey. But, you know, if I'm going to blame A.V. for certain things, I'm also not going to criticize him for... Like, I I think the team... Like, the team is better than it was when he took over. They are better today. And, again, they suck tonight. That second period was some of the worst shit they've ever done. In the history of me doing this post-game, that second period is on par with as poorly as they have played Baruby years, Hackstall years, whatever. Was I doing this when Baruby was the coach? No, I think I started under Hack. I don't even think we did this the first year under Hackstall. Maybe the... No, because I was still going to games then. I was still in the press box then. So, I've only done it under Hack and AV. And Gordon, of course. Can we trade for a top 4D already or change the D system to suit the players? I, man, the D, like, don't turn it over. Like, when you, and I don't mean that, because I'm sure players who I have stuck up for in the past, you know, and and don't criticize as much as, like, a Robert Haig uh, made mistakes tonight and deserve plenty of blame, but this is just the first thing that came to mind when I wanted to answer this comment. Robert Haig on a, you know, 2-1-0 basically with one four-checker not really on him uh, breakout tonight. Mishandled the pass and then just kind of looked at the puck, sit there, and Bruin gets to it first, rush in, goal. That ain't the defensive system. That's just you not being good enough to handle the puck and not being smart enough to go after it. I think Robert Haig, like, leading up to this, had honestly been playing a lot better. Uh, than especially the start of this year. My God, the start of this season was the worst. And like as a person who's criticized Haig a lot, I think the start of this season was the worst he's played in his career. Um, but I thought the last few times I'd seen him out, he'd been better. I thought he played pretty well, you know, well enough against the Rangers. Uh, but th- like that play, and again, not just criticizing him, just an example of that ain't the system. That's just a player fucking up. Yeah, you know, like there's no system for a Pasternak off the inside of the crossbar and into the back of the freaking net. Like, and there's no system for Carter Hart not sealing the post uh, on one other goal. There's no system for turnovers. Now you should always have puck support. There should always be another guy back. Absolutely, uh, but it just seems like more of an execution issue than a system issue. Um, the first part of your question, can we trade for a top 4D? Yeah, any day now. Uh, like, the four guys they have playing the top four minutes, I like all of them individually. But they just do need a change. And when we talk about the defense, I don't want to just talk about the defense men. Yes, that is the name of their position. But 
we got to talk about the team defense and, you know, guys not pressuring well enough at the point, guys just being a step slow on the cross-ice stuff, uh, losing your guy, the center losing the man down low, and suddenly it's two-on-one. It's not just the defenseman. While the defenseman could be a whole hell of a lot better, it's a, it's a team thing. I believe in Carter, but he does seem to be getting in his head too much. I, I don't know if he's in his head, if he just... Like, I do think, after the fourth goal, Elaine Vigneault should have recognized this isn't a gutted out for the last three, four minutes, whatever we're left. I think it was about four minutes. Um, this isn't a gutted out sort of situation and get to the third um, and just start Elliot in the third. This is a, we need to make the change now. But they did mention on the broadcast, like, these outdoor games the goalies aren't sitting on the bench. Like, the bench for the players is heated. The backup goalie is sitting there literally cold. Like, not just coming into the game cold because he, you know, hasn't been playing. He's been sitting on the bench. But it's fucking freezing outside. <laughs> like, it's Lake Tahoe in February, you know? it's they're, they're on the lake. It's freezing. So I do understand wanting to get Elliot warmed up. And, you know, if Elliot, like I always say... If Elliot gets hurt, suddenly we're looking at Alex Lyon, and I like Alex Lyon as a human. I hope he's like the next Neil Little and is just the Phantoms goalie for, for the next 20 years or whatever, uh, but I don't want Alex Lyon playing in any NHL games, really, so you want to preserve Cor uh, Brian Elliott as well as you can. That said, Brian Elliott might be seeing some more starts coming up. I'm... I'm philosophically opposed to it because I think for this team to get where it wants to go they're going to need Carter Hart to just play himself out of this but man you know what you really can't be is the four seed you cannot be the four seed and play Boston in the first round it's it's just bad news it's I know you're gonna have to play him eventually and like I just got done saying it was like a 20 minute rant about I think you know both squads healthy it's closer than the results have been but I don't want to see Boston in the first round. That's, nah, nah, I'm good on that. Need a big D-man versus Pasternak. It just seems like, man, and I don't want to, like, they just need a motherfucker to whack on him. And I'm not saying, like, should attempt to injure him or, like, they just need that Chris Tarian, you know, a guy better than Chris Tarian, ultimately, hopefully. But they just need that dude, like, Chris Tarian was for Yager. Just, like, keep whacking him. They're not going to call you for a slash on every shift. So, like, there's no other... You can't defend him legally. And I hate that the NHL is officiated in a way where it's like the best players don't always get every call because, well, how else are they supposed to defend him? It's so He's so good. Yeah, that's the point. They can't defend him. That guy's supposed to score six goals a game. <laughs> like, uh, But since the NHL is officiated that way, Man, they just need to, like, slash him on the hands every time he touches the puck. That's it. Like, that's... I see no other way to defend the guy. Like, that... The, the, was it his first one tonight? The the one I keep referencing off the cross? Like, I don't care what kind of defense you have on him. They, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> what are you supposed to do? I blame Dusty Gooch. Dusty Gooch is the ultimate dog name. I, at some point in my life, I'm going to have a dog named Dusty Gooch. Like, my God. Um, people, if you're from where I'm from, you know a family, the Gooches. They all played Clearview hockey. It's like a goddamn Clearview hockey dynasty. Um, but it's, regardless, nothing to do with this. Um, the name Dusty Gooch is some of the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. The Flyers haven't played the Bruins with a full roster yet. They haven't, but... Like I said, Postumus, the f I think the first two. So, you know, it's a year where you are you might never have a full roster. That's the thing between the regular injuries that just happen because it's a contact sport and there are injuries, plus all the COVID protocols. You may never have a full roster. This Like, it's a possibility that this team is never what we thought it was going to be that first day of training camp when uh, all the beats tweeted out the lines and we were like, Oh my God, look how deep this team is. This is, this is wonderful. Might never have it. I will say, um, while maybe they weren't great tonight, on the whole, as like a, a philosophy, 
the idea of Sam Moran and Mark Friedman as wingers. Um, when you're when you're this depleted, especially but when you're just putting together a fourth line, and you just need guys to go out there. Oh man, battery's about to die. Got to plug this in. Got to keep this thought. Don't want to lose it. Man, that battery depleted quickly. Uh, anyway, yeah. Philosophically, your fourth line, especially when you're this depleted, your um, seventh or eighth, ninth defenseman, whatever you want to call Moran and Friedman. Let's. You know, put them on a depth chart, seven, eight, nine, whatever. Um, your seventh or eighth defenseman, probably just better overall hockey players than like your seventeenth or eighteenth forward, you know? So I kinda get I, I don't have a huge problem with uh Friedman and you know, Moran, they converted to forward, but like he's not a forward. He's he's a defenseman. Uh it's it's what he is. Uh like I don't have a huge problem with the idea of it. Uh, I kind of, I kind of like it. Um, now, when you're the away team, and a team like Boston can dictate matchups, and there's the threat of them throwing, you know, Marshan, Bergeron, and pa- and Pasternak out at you when you have the fourth line on the ice, it's yeah, you're in trouble. But I don't think it's the worst idea. Just overall, like one. The fourth line, they're out there to play defense anyway. Two, they're probably just better hockey players, you know? it's It might not be the worst thing. Um, but I'd rather have, you know, Lawton, Roffel, and AK be the fourth line like it was to start the year. We're too soft. Need more sandpaper. Uh, I've... I've pushed back against the idea that they're too soft all year, but I do think, man, they just need... I think they do just need some grittier players, and that's kind of why I liked, especially in the first period, the idea of that fourth line um, and the way they were going to have to play and grind out the game. They do just need more of that. Um, for whatever reason, they just don't have the same, I, you know, he's behind me, grittiness that they had last. I thought they weren't the most physical team in the world. They weren't running everyone through the boards last year, but they just, they got on the forecheck well. They were physical and used their bodies for positioning to win battles and create mismatches down low and create turnovers high in the zone when teams were exiting. There just doesn't seem to be as much of that sandpaper, as you say, this year. I think it's more mentality than anything, but... Maybe they need to work some of those guys into the lineup and have the fourth line be more of a uh, of a rotating thing every night and keep guys motivated and keep saying, like, NAK, you know what you have to do? You have to be that guided missile every time out. Like, Sam Moran, when you're out there, you know why you're out there? To fucking hit people. So hit everybody. If you take two penalties, it, whatever. We'll deal with it. Uh, but I, I do... They need to be more physical and maybe... It needs to be more of a uh, a competition at the bottom of the roster. And that said, like, how many guys are competing right now? There's only so many fucking players on the roster. But when they're at full strength, they need to be tougher too. Honest question. Does it seem like they lack any creativity? It could be the bird's eye view we have on the broadcast, but it looks like some plays are missed because rather than making a solo play for the puck, they, uh, they look like their brain stops them and they fall into formation. Is that a coach thing? lack of confidence why i don't know like they try to make so many extra plays and they've made they've made some real pretty plays like i'm not gonna um tonight's game it's impossible to comment about creativity in tonight's game because fuck look at what they were just playing on like it's half snow out there you know uh but overall i don't think they lack creativity sometimes i think they lack making the simple play Honestly, I think they get too creative and too cute sometimes when they just need to rip the puck. Like, you know, it, it took Andreoff, uh, Andreoff and and Friedman to team up for a, uh, you know, down low, win a battle, pass from below the goal line into the slot, and Friedman gets a scoring chance. He didn't score, but, like, that's a high-danger play that it just seems so many times they pass on that one to make a more difficult play uh, because they think, oh, then there'll be an extra pay. Like, sometimes I think they get too creative. Um, it's been tough this year with chemistry, I think, because the lines have been in such flux, really, more than anything. 
When does Wisdom get the call up? Yeah, I wanted to talk about... We're recording BSH Radio tomorrow, and I want to talk about Zade Wisdom t- some. Um, going into last night's game, I think he had two goals and an assist in uh, in three games, and he had two goals last night. So he's been productive. I haven't had a chance to really watch him. I've seen you know the clips like everybody else. Uh, but I think I'm going to do some a deeper dive into Zade Wisdom ahead of tomorrow's show and bring him up with the rest of the crew. Congrats on the new place, Bill. Thank you. This is actually the old place. Uh, This is the living room because we've moved out the basement where my studio was. Uh, If some of you saw the... uh, A couple of post games ago, I did it from like a bar top with a bunch of posters and stuff behind me. That's the new basement. We'll be moving there pretty soon and I'll be set up permanently and have a spot again like I used to. But for now, it's kind of a makeshift thing. That's why I lost... My camera was packed. I didn't have it for the last show. That's why it was just the orange block for that last post game. Very sorry about that. I hate when that shit happens, but if you've moved, which I'm sure many of you have, it's the worst fucking thing in the world. I hate it so much. Wisdom is 18. Eh, Sean Couturier was 18, you know? Is NAK a potential top six guy? I don't see it. I think he's a nice play. Like, I think he's... He's different than Michael Roffel, but similar to Michael Roffel, and Roffel's more skilled. Um, Like, say what you will about him playing on the top line. He did do it and score 21 goals once. You know, a better player would have had more. But regardless, um, like, NAK is a... I think his ceiling is decent enough third liner. To me, his perfect role is on a good fourth line. Like, where he was to start the year... That's where I think NAK belongs. If you're the Lawton, Raffle, NAK fourth line, awesome. Now, obviously, Lawton gets called up into the lineup. Uh, he's good enough, and it's cool when he's on your second or third line. It's fine. And Bunneman comes in, and the fourth line's still good. But, like, that's what I think NAK is a good fourth liner. And that's it. AV said he didn't want to put Elliott in during the second period because of the cold. Kind of makes sense now with an older goaltender. Oh, it makes sense with any goalie, but yeah, to your point, dude's 35 and an injury history. No, that's kind of what I thought was the case, but they needed to, uh, they just needed to do it. And, but the, again, extenuating circumstances. I understand why AV did what he did, but fuck, man, it backfired on you. And maybe that's just what this game was. It's a crazy game. It's for entertainment. It's for. It's not for. You know, we're fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, the league doesn't give two shits about any of that. They care about a lot of people tuning in to see an outdoor game and whatever kind of sacrifices you have to make. So be it. Too bad. You like getting your paycheck. This is one of the reasons you get it because we sell the shit out of this stuff. So it, that's just kind of the game it was going to be. Just kind of a shut up and deal with it sort of game. And more went wrong for the Flyers that they had to deal with. When are we going to get a real replacement for Niskanen? Ah, jeez, man. Hopefully soon. No doubt Hart was not tracking the puck. Yeah, and that's especially in the first period. I know, again, I mentioned earlier, like, they won especially, at some point at least, in the first period. They were winning the shot battle. I just thought they had to take more advantage of that glare and just really uh, kind of pepper Rask because he's going to be good. Like, he's a good goalie. But I, it just seemed like he was there to be had in the first period, and you didn't challenge him enough. Hart can have an off night tonight. A lot of people talking about Hart. Uh, Hart can have an off night tonight. It has to be hard tracking the puck with that view. Oh, I'm sure it was difficult. And, like, goalies have off nights and all sorts of... Like, I looked up this number. Uh, the year it was Dominic Hasek's uh, second MVP. I think it was 97-98. He had 13 shutouts and 13 games where he allowed four or more goals. Like... Shit happens, you know? (laughs) Goalies are going to have off nights. Hart had one tonight. He has to have fewer of them, and he just has to have more... He makes some great saves, and he does, for the most part, a good job of keeping them in pretty much every game. But there's just one or two. Like, the actual goals that go in, he needs to do a better job of stopping the stoppable shots. He does, usually, pretty good job. Most nights. But... Just tighten it up a little, and I really think it starts with that rebound control. Like, tonight his angles were just off. Bad night. He was going to get scored on. Plus all the, you know, ice is bad, crazy hops, tracking the puck's impossible, all that. Get it. 
things on a nightly basis, he just needs to be better at controlling rebounds. Like, too many out into the slot, just too many consistently. Edzo mentioned Mark Stahl as the Boston top four pickup, expiring deal. Would you be interested in him and also stop Boston, and to also stop Boston from getting him? Perhaps Mark Stahl, he's familiar with the minutes. He's played for AV before. Um, Personally, I just want a better player, but... It's going to come down to what kind of uh, what kind of compensation they're willing to give up, and you know how they can make something work underneath the cap. And obviously, you want a guy on an expire unless he's like really good. You want a guy on on an expiring deal, so you don't have to worry about the uh, the expansion draft and everything. But they could use somebody if it ends up being Mark Stahl. Maybe it just kind of feels like Mark Stahl is the like Derek Grant Grant Thompson fix. I'll take Eckholm over Stahl. Yeah, sure. Hart just started his sophomore slump a year late. Listen, and goalies have off year. Like, remember Bob? I think he won two out of three Vezinas, and the one in the middle was like he had like an 890 save percentage, something like that. He was terrible. Like, goalies have off years, and some of them, except for, you know, Henrik Lundqvist, they're almost a little like relievers in baseball where it's an every other year. You don't really know what you're get going to get kind of thing. Now, the absolutely great ones are consistent, and that's what makes them great. But even really good goalies have up and down years. This could just be a down one. Or he could be great tomorrow through the rest of the season. Like, it's fucking goaltending, man. It's voodoo. You have to protect Ekholm or lose him in expansion draft, and then it comes down to what you have to give up to get him. If you don't have to give up a whole lot, you risk losing him. Ain't a big deal. Uh, They're going to have to lose somebody. If you have to give up a lot, then it's like, well, we gave up all those assets for him, and then we lost him. So it's kind of... It ain't an easy GMing job around these expansion expansion drafts and the flat cap and everything they're dealing with uh, financial-wise around the league. It can't be easy right now, especially if you're in semi-go-for-it mode like the Flyers. They don't want to risk the future because the next couple years should be as brighter, brighter than right now. But right now, they have a chance. They're not the best team in the league, but they're in that next tier, you know? They're not Boston, apparently. They're not Colorado. They're not Vegas, but they're in that next tier. I guess we have to put Toronto at the top of that tier now. I still just don't fully buy it. Like, I know Boston, like, or I know Toronto is very good. I know they have a ton of skill. They are a good team, and if their goaltending holds up, like, they can beat anybody. But playing in that division, I just won't fully buy it until I see them against somebody else. When I actually see them in a Final Four against Boston or against Philly or against Washington or one of the Western teams, I don't know how it's all going to work out once they get to the Final Four because there are no conferences anymore. But you know what I'm saying. Once they play one of the other elite teams, of which there are none in their division, you won't really know. Uh, But I guess for the purposes of this conversation, when you mention Colorado, Vegas... And Boston, I guess Toronto has to be part of that as well. Bergeron played a great game for Boston. Oh, I, I was really, like, in the first period, hoping to see the two top lines just kind of go back and forth. And after the floodgates opened, it was just kind of like, well, fuck, what are you going to do? Uh, but it was, uh, that first period was a lot of fun. Um, I, I kind of wanted to see it be like that. Just the Bergeron versus Couturier, let's see who has more at the end. But... It got away from them. I'm so fucking sick of the expansion draft and it hasn't even happened. Oh, my, like, I want to see where this season goes and I think we're going to have a lot of fun this year. There's still a lot of fun to be had. And again, like, they have 20 games between now and the next time they play Boston. I expect to be coming on this post game and having a lot of fun in, like, 15 out of 20 of those games. Um, But, yeah... If I could do, like, Adam Sandler and click and just kind of fast-forward to the hour after the fucking expansion draft and just be done with it, I'd be very tempted. At least professionally, you know. Kind of don't want to fast-forward through the next six months of my life, but also, maybe everyone will be vaccinated by then, and the world will be soon, and the world will be back together, so... Eh. I'd think about it. If someone handed me that remote and was like, you can fast-forward to the second after the expansion draft... I wouldn't just be like, oh no, oh no. I'd think about it. Maybe. No one will trade anything close to fair market value for a player they know you will not protect. I 
the team's making the trades also, like, and then you negotiate yourself out of moving someone and didn't get an asset for somebody in a lost year for a team that's selling. So, yeah, I, I do think there will be hard bargains to be driven, and there will be a lot of competition for players on expiring deals because of the expansion draft. But also, I think we always overblow these things. Like, oh, they're going to hold them hostage. Like, you know what GM should do every year is offer sheet guys. Offer sheet, especially, like, middle... It's only, it's only ever, like, the top-end guys who get offer sheet. And it's like, oh, my God. And at the end of the day, million here, million there. What's the difference between eight and a half and ten? You're going to match those offer sheets. But... The middle guys who you're like, we don't want to spend more than five and a half, six. If you offer them seven and a half, eight, and it's like, yeah, we're overpaying him, but they either had to match it and hurt themselves or we got ourselves a good player. Like, the GMs just don't weaponize these tools, I think, as much as they should, is my point. Um, I know I went off there, but that's my point. AV does a lot of questionable shit, let's be honest. I I don't always have to agree with somebody to, to say, okay... Um, to, to a decision, if I understand where their decision-making came from, um, then even if I disagree, I can be like, I see the logic. And I can oftentimes explain what AV does, some of the, some of the quote-unquote questionable shit. Uh, every coach does questionable shit, and everything a coach does that doesn't work out becomes questionable. Every move they make is then questioned. Uh... You know, you can make the exact... If you make the exact same move and win, it's like, well, you know, you made the right one. It's... I find it hard to... Qu especially, like, the players just gotta go out there and get it done. Like, this ain't... Yeah, they're professionals. This is the NHL. It was the Boston Bruins on the other side tonight. You've played them four times already. You fucking know what you have to do. Like, <laughs> this is the fifth game in, in a couple of weeks against the same team. Coach can only tell you so much. Let's scroll down get a couple more before we wrap up here. We're going to get some more recent recent comments. I guess somebody suggested Seth Jones because a comment says, if Seth Jones is available, I'll be the Columbus GM by week's end. Yeah, that ain't, you know, uh, uh, Seth Jones, I mean, unless he's already kind of said, and isn't he, like, signed long-term? I actually don't know the Seth Jones situation contractually, so let's give it a look on the old cap friendly. Uh, where are you at? No, that's Colorado. That's Columbus. Seth Jones says this year and next year at 5.4. So, I mean, next year, I guess, if he said he, he won't be staying. But, like, yeah, Seth Jones ain't available right now. I can't imagine. Let's get a few more. No beverage tonight, Bill. Oh, no, I've had quite a few, in fact, if you weren't able to tell. Uh, this one is from Neck of the Woods Brewing. It's called Hazy Shade of Winter. It's a hazy IPA. I'm enjoying it thoroughly, actually. I think I gave it like a 425 on Untapped. Follow me on Untapped if you don't already. If you uh, you like beer, I check in quite a few. Uh, I think it's just at Bill Matt's, pretty sure. I don't know for a fact, but you'll find me. We used to be tops of the league in face-offs. What the heck happened this year? I mean, what made them so good? Uh, everyone else was kind of just break-even at face-offs, and... Having Giroux and Couturier out together for like a third of the game when Giroux can take them on the left and Couturier can take them on the right and they're both at like 55-56%, like that bumps up your average a lot. When everyone else is around 49-51 to 51 and your two top guys who play together and win almost all of them on, the one, on their strong side, like that really has done it. And they haven't had the two together in the lineup a ton this year. Like Couturier just came back and Drew's out on the fucking COVID list. So that's a big part of it, but they do need to win more face, like face-offs on the whole, an overrated stat, but there are big face-offs and they're so big on the, uh, on special teams. Like we see it all the time. If the Flyers win the face-off on the power play, they're set up. Boom. Cool. What is the hardest thing in the world for them to do? Gain the zone. Like, when they have to do that, it's just harder. So they need to win more of those face-offs, especially with the man advantage. Did you see Friedman call Marshan a rat? Who doesn't call Marshan a rat? Hopefully TK will come back and play better if he's supposed to be like Marshan. When is he going to play like that? Marshan is really good with the puck. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe we overrated TK, and, you know, Marshan's been doing this a long time. 
Like, Brad Marchand wasn't Brad Marchand from the beginning. Now, granted, he developed quickly and became a very good player, all that. Uh, but TK just needs to be better. Regardless of who the fuck you want to compare him to, he just needs to be better when he comes back than he was before he went out. It was a shit show, but Joel Farabee is a joy. Oh my, like, one of the positive things I want, and this is what we're going to leave on, because it's a positive. One of the positive things I wanted to point out about this one, man, Joel Farabee, he makes his good plays and he makes his bad plays. He had one really bad turnover tonight. Um, I think it was him on a give-and-go that got intercepted with Provorov, like, at the point that got taken the other way. Um, I think he, there was some bad turnover Farabee made. I don't remember what it was. But he makes his bad plays, and he makes his great ones, but just the fact that he can score at this rate at this age, man, when he gets his full game going, and he's already a responsible enough two-way player, it's not like he turns it over all the time or anything, but one, the fact that he's willing to shoot and will just, like, like there was a point tonight, it was a two-on-two, you know, a lot of the Flyers, they just make that pass because they love to make the pass. And he was just like, fuck it, and tried to move and took a shot. It didn't work, but I love that he did it. Because what if there, what if it beat the goalie because he just missed it? What if there was a rebound? A million things can happen, and it's his willingness to shoot, and it's his, his recognition that that's his role now as he is the shooter. Uh, I'm real excited about Joel Farabee, man. It's... Provorov, great. Hart, I think, is going to be great. Joel Farabee might end up being Ron Hextall's best pick, really. Um, Lindblom in the fifth round, awesome, obviously. But Farabee might end up being it, man. And that's that's one thing I'm, I'm real happy about. Like, him and JVR lead the team in goals. Farabee, sh- for a short time, had the team lead until JVR got that power play goal. So that's cool. All right, and that's where I'll leave you. That is all the time I have for you on BSH Postgame this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, Hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, lots of content delivered to you all the fucking time. You'll love it. You'll love it so much, you're going to leave us a five-star review. You are going to leave us a five-star review. Do it. All right, thanks a lot. Uh, That's it. We're recording a new BSH tomorrow. Uh, You can hear me Monday through Friday on You Better You Bet on Radio.com. I make hockey picks over there. I do a lot of fun stuff for that show. I'm the producer of it, so give that a listen if you're into the sports gambling at all. It's very informative. I know nothing about gambling and have been making money on this show, so I think you'll like that, and you'll get to hear me, and that's really what it's all about, um, at least a couple of times a show. That's it. Thanks a lot. Um, I'm going to go get drunker. Have a uh, great week, everybody.